Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Um, I'm going to give you my, my, my one word, but it's actually going to be three words for today's episode. Critical, smart, and inspirational. Um, when you hear the story of our guests today and what they're doing, um, I think you're going to be as excited and hopeful as I am because these are some very special individuals doing some really special things. Um, let me give you a little history. So it was probably about 10 years ago at Realcom that we started to notice that we were going to have problems filling jobs, maintaining buildings as the technology got more sophisticated. In other words, you put all this smart technology into the building. It required a higher level of engineering skill, technical skill. And we were looking at the numbers of folks coming out of colleges, and there just weren't enough. Um, so over the years, Realcom has been involved in, in um, you know, trying to raise money for math and science, trying to encourage people to take math and science serious. Oh, and by the way, we've fallen, I think, the 32nd uh, in math and 28th in science globally. My numbers could be off, but it's horrific for being you know, one of the number one industrialized countries in the world. And so that, uh, that math and science lapse made, has made its way into our built environment. And, and I think the energy department has said we're 200,000 building automation jobs short, meaning there are openings. And what does that mean? That means buildings are going under managed, under configured, um, under commissioned. And what does that mean? Well, that means we're wasting energy. That gets us into the ESG conversation. In any event, finding people to manage these newer, higher tech buildings has been a problem. But we've got some folks today who might have some answers. I am so excited about this conversation. Um, we're going to bring on John Spooner, co-founder and CTO of Stack and Jewels. Mike Conway, co-founder and executive director in Stack and Jewels, and my favorite guest, Francisca Perel, program facilitator, Stack and Jewels, and a former student of this incredible program that these guys have put together. So before I bring them on, we're going to show you a brief video of Stack and Jewels, uh, and then we're going to bring these three folks on and have a wonderful conversation. All right, with that, let's bring on our great guests for today's conversation about Stack and Jewels and what they're doing to help students realize great opportunities inside the building automation industry. Guys, so good to see you. So, so good to see you. Um, we've, done, we've done over a hundred of these episodes and I, I think that this is probably gonna make its way into my top three. So um, let's let's start with each of you. Start with Mike, uh, give a little bit of your background, um, you know, technical background, business background, whatever, that's led you to Stack and Jewels. Don't tell us what Stack and Jewels is yet. We're gonna let everybody sure. tell yeah. the backgrounds and then we're gonna get into the organization. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much, Jim. Um, so yeah, my background is education. I'm the education side of all this. I taught high school math for over 20 years in a variety of, of cities across the U.S. and types of schools uh, and saw in that a real focus on project-based learning and connected learning. That, that really drives some advanced learning in math, uh, especially for those who, who hadn't yet been engaged. Uh, and that transitioned into uh, career-connected learning in general. And so uh, I worked with five uh, Los Angeles public high schools to coach their entire faculty on, on connecting their, uh, their programs to like an engineering uh, and environmental mm -hmm. focus. Now I'll transition this to John because um, the source of a lot of uh, the career connections that I was looking for to be really relevant and, and, um, and, and purposeful was from my best friend from second grade, John Spooner. So I, 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 that's a great intro, John. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty great intro. Yeah, so I'm, I'm the, um, I guess, the technology lead for Stacks and Jewels. I, um, I've been a 
part of a part of technology since the early 90s and really you know was fortunate enough to become part of the wave of web or you know opportunity that came out around then and since then i've worked throughout various phases of the industry lastly working at alphabet on their smart cities initiatives working on link nyc city bike the mta on the go system so i've done a lot of kind of public and private technology where technology was put in the public square and what was interesting is working there the thing that we started to realize is we had plenty of high paid super brilliant engineers but we we were missing kind of that entry level technician who could go out and update machines or, or you know update firmware and things like that and that really was was part of the nexus behind this idea and i mean really it's been it's been a long journey that we've we've taken to come here but um but yeah i, I won't dive into the program yeah, don't, don't one, go on the program yet yeah <laughs> but one thing is just to be clear it is stacks and jewels right right amen Francisca, <laughs> give us a little bit of your background without telling too much about the program just yet <laughs> i'll try um um so my name is oh wait you guys have my name um yeah, I met Stacks and Jewels through, um, and I, I went to an alternative school. I am an alumni also from the Stacks program. Um, I met them through my alternative school. I was supposed to be their assistant <laughs> just to help out in the class. And I actually um, got intrigued by what they were doing. So I actually just full on joined the program. And um, there was an opportunity um, at the end of the program to be hired um, by Stacks and Jewels. I honestly didn't think I was gonna get it because I feel like there was other girls that were more qualified in my eyes um, um, for the position and I didn't see myself in it. But um, then John and Mike and came to me and they offered me the position and I was very excited. All right, so well, we've been teasing the audience enough. All right, yeah. I don't know which one of you two wanted. Mike, John, anyone of you take 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 the lead and start. Tell us when the idea happened. What is the idea and where it is today? Yeah, Mike, so, you want to take that? Yeah, I'll I'll just start and then you can jump in, John. Um, so uh, the idea. I mean, as we said, this has really come through through a long you know line of work. Uh, as as John and I have known each other, um, we although we both decided okay, this really has legs, so let's jump in. And that was about 2017. So then we started developing the curriculum. We tested it out in, in Boston and did some of the beta testing. And then um, 2019, we got a significant grant from NYSERDA to really launch the program in New York. And so we've been focused entirely in New York and in, the, in really in the Lower East Side of New York since then. Um, the program has, yeah, go ahead. No, so John, why don't you give us the details of what the program does? Yeah, certainly. So um, our program is about 180 hours of instruction and things really start off with lighting controls. Um, students are learning Python coding in order to control some uh, wireless light bulbs. And through that process, we actually learn about lighting control strategies. Um, they in fact take a lighting control certification. And so they really learn about you know, the basics of lighting as, as a discipline. And then we shift into HVAC and air handling units. We have them once again get certified in EPA 608. 
and then really learn about the refrigeration cycle, learn about how air handling is really happening within a, the building and built environment. And then lastly, and possibly most importantly, we pull it all together with integration software. We specifically train um, the Niagara 4 around learning the workbench and learning the use of that system and what it really does for our you know, digital native, native students, it makes the most sense because they've learned the basics of, of lighting, they've learned the basics of HVAC, and now they're having to digitize the controls of those, of those systems. And that really clicks for these students. And that's, you know, that's why we identified this population as such a key, key you know, pool of talent for this industry. Was, was there a reason that you chose lighting to start? Because it was by far the most engaging. Um, we have we have the students using uh, Python scripting, and they actually build up their abilities to the point where finally they do a light show using thirty seconds of their favorite song, and they just control the light bulbs using color and timing and and different different impacts to make a cool light show and what that really tapped into is kind of the social competitive currency that a classroom has where it's like how cool is your song how cool is your light show that that really drove competition and drove really excellence in the class but all along they're learning these lighting control strategies just doing it to their favorite song and controlling and making a cool light show Absolutely brilliant. Before we get to my favorite guest, we're going to, I'm going to ask you two guys one more question. Um, John, your background was, was it smart buildings or was it general tech? Smart cities was really where, cities, okay. where I came from. Yeah. So, so that and general building automation. Well. So that's what drew you into the, the building automation side. Well, actually the building automation was and basically Mike and I had been talking about different opportunities and I was telling him IOT. IoT has a lot of upside. It has a lot of opportunities. Sensors, actuators. That's that's really the the, the firmament of a great you know job trajectory. And then one of Mike's brothers uh, is works in the BAS industry. And when we were talking about this, we ran this by him, and he was like, "Well, you know that BAS is basically industrialized IoT." And we're like, "Oh," and. You know, this is one of the industry's failings is not marketing the fact that it exists. And, right. you know, I was a tech executive. I should have known about this. But in my smart cities world, you know, BAS was really not, not as emphasized as it should be. And so once were we you aware of the shortage of workers in the industry when you started? Uh, I mean, quickly we jumped onto that. I mean, we were yeah. looking, we definitely like the driver was to find opportunity for youth and adults who we knew have the intelligence and the drive and are really great people, but hadn't had the opp opportunities. Um, and so having the, having the job, and there has to be a well-paying job, and also that it's got this career ladder, right? That it, it requires further training. So there is a, is a built-in advancement within this career area. Um, when we looked Excuse at some me. other job areas that were really like booming, especially, you know, like earlier when there was like the first wave of green jobs and you start looking at like, um, like a cool roof. Well, that's painting. You're, you're rolling paint on a roof. There's no like real career trajectory. Still important to do, right. uh, but not where, where we wanted to go. So we were looking for that particular combination of like, 
mechanical, so it can't be outsourced, right? There's, a, there's an in-person element, but definitely heavy on technology because that is where the opportunity and where the pay is uh, and the need. You can't, you know, that's, that's that unicorn, the combination of mechanical understanding with the technology skills and knowledge to, uh, to implement it. Right. All right. Before we get to Francisco, let's take a brief break here from one of our sponsors. And uh, as soon as we come back, we're going to hear firsthand how she got in the program, found out about it, how it worked out and what she's thinking about it now. Be right back. All right. Someday I see Francisca in that video controlling portfolios and cities. <laughs> All right. So now on to the, on to the star of the show. Um, Francisca, I'm going to ask you to, to give us a little bit of detail of your journey, because for anybody watching, I think they want to know, you know, where, how you could have ever thought or be inclined to think that this would be of interest to you. What was your career trajectory? When did you run into these two guys? And when did you figure out that this might be something you could like and become good at? So give us a little bit of the journey. Okay. <laughs> this is um, how my story started. It was... Um... I was in, like I had said earlier, I, had, I was in an alternative school. So um, I was just trying to get my credits. Um, I had like three, two credits to go. And um, I had a goal in my head to be done like in January and I didn't meet that goal. So I was very like bummed out. Um, so um, I spoke to my advisor and she was like, you know, it's just two credits. You're able, you're not failing, but, um, you know, I guess for high schoolers and, you know, for teenagers in general, we want to always go with the kids. Like if we don't go or we graduate, we're like, you know, not smart enough or we just didn't make it like the other kids. So I just put myself down a lot. And then my advisors, um, they connected me to John and Mike. Um, um, I was supposed to be their assistant, like I had said, um, but I saw that the girl, it was an all girls cohort. Um, so it was all females. And they were like playing with light bulbs and I was like, you know, interested and I was like, oh, maybe I can do it. I honestly didn't like the way that John and Mike were teaching it. That's what kind of like geared me to them because I never had that type of teaching where you didn't feel intimidated, where you didn't feel like you weren't capable of doing or where they just put attention to the students that were capable and like the ones that weren't so capable, they didn't really push them so much. And um, they were just very equal to everybody. Like we were all learning this and nobody was like, the, you know, the best or this or that. It was just, we were just all one group. We were one team. So that kind of geared me to, to them. And we I did the course and I actually found out that I could code and I cannot <laughs> understand it. And um, it wasn't just for smart people. It was like for everybody, it's just to be, you're, is you just have to be open to getting taught and also like having good instructors that you know um, guide you and support you in every type of way and just you know always give you like that confidence and that's what John and Mike gave me is confidence and also like being in a group of girls it was like there was no type of um, you know because with guys sometimes it's a little intimidating because you know how guys can be so with girls it was different it was like, it was more like a sisterhood. We were more united and um, we helped each other out. Every time like I would struggle, you know, somebody came and helped me and vice versa. So, and then- How long was the like, program? How long, how long were you actually in the program? 
It was, um, I did it for, I believe it was a year because wow. I also okay. did it through summer. And, you know, like I had said, um, they had um, asked for, there was an open full-time position after you graduated, like or as soon as you ended the program. And um, I didn't think I was going to be it, but John and Mike came to me and they um, told me that they saw something in me that would help the program. And I took it because I was- So you're now managing, it. you're now managing the folks like yourself and helping coordinate the program. Yes, I've done over, I think this is like my 11th class, <laughs> the one that is, I'm in the facility right now. Wow. It's like my- How many kids have you touched now? How many, how many kids have you touched? Um, high schoolers, I think uh, more than four cohorts, I believe, wow. or I wow. think about, and then with the adults, um, this is my, um, my fourth, I believe. So somebody who had no clue that you had an interest or skills, after one year under these guys' guidance, you ran through the program, do so good that you're now teaching and coordinating and organizing the program. Yes. So I know we went through this yesterday and everybody got a little shaken up, but what does this mean? We'll, we'll behave. What does this mean to you? I mean, the whole journey. And I try, I'll try not to cry, but um, it means a lot to me. Like, I'm getting emotional. No, but, that's fine. We're behind you, 100%. It means a lot because I just didn't see hope for myself, like that I will ever like be something or be somebody. Um, all I did know is that I wanted to help people. And so John and Mike came with this um, program and it helped others, especially, you know, undervalued communities. So that's what kind of guided me towards it. Cause I'm like, this is something that I wanted to do like since I was a kid, cause I didn't have the best childhood. So this is something that I wanted to do. And I felt like, um, this way i didn't have i'm not the, i'm not a rich person so i can't you know do it money wise but i can do it with just you know with these these resources where i can go and teach people and guide them to and also give them confidence to be better and give them that um you know that there is a way to you know get generational wealth for their kids or have that motivation or even with the girls that I'm currently teaching, you know, I see a lot of myself in them when I was young and, you know, giving them that hope that, you know, even though things at home may not be good or things in the world may not be good, like as long as they push themselves to be better and also like, of course, we're here to support them, um, you know, that they can do it. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, things behind the scenes kind of bring you down and that's why sometimes, you know, kids don't have also that motivation because their home sometimes is not the best. And I feel like that's something that as teachers we disregard that, you know, students have a life that we don't know about. And that, you know, we have to be in touch with that as well because through that we're able to push them even more because now we know their goal and their situation. And that, and now we know like how we can guide them to like and bring the confidence out in them because you know sometimes 
living in the projects, it kind of hinders you or, you know, your shine because you're now, uh, you know, a group well, you, of, you, you, know, you, you are a testimony, the fact that every kid has potential. Yeah. They just need some time, attention, focus, guidance, leadership, like these two guys. Support, yeah, support. And, and and then the minute you realize that you can do something and then you take on the next risk, all of a sudden you realize there's nothing you can't do. Yeah. Yeah, like your, your, message is, your message is spectacular. We're going to help get it out because I'm there's millions of other people out there like you that need the same kind of resources and help. And P.S., we need you. There's so many jobs unfilled and, and things that need to be done that we need hardworking, skilled people for. And, then, and to know that the folks like yourself, you know, once you, you get a little taste of something, not only grab onto it, but do well in it, that's hopeful. That's encouraging. You know, um, and, and I don't know if I'm supposed you to share this, but, but I hear you had some good news. You're actually, am I allowed to say, is moving into your own apartment? Is that yes, I'm that? moving <laughs> to my own apartment. Yeah. Is that a I big deal? I myself yesterday. Yes. Um, well, yeah, because I've actually been trying to move out of my house for a while just because, you know. And now you got a job and you can afford it yep. and you're on your way. Please please thank yourself too, Fran. Um, but it does come back to like, so why BAS? Um, and this is like the, the fact that it's really the most technical, uh, I think, of the disciplines related to buildings and construction is really important because when, when Fran says she gained confidence and that she's working to get others to be confident, um, it's, it's, you know, the trophy for everyone approach we know doesn't work. What works is when Fran started to realize like, oh, this, she knew it was complicated, that it was something that was difficult and she was a little intimidated. When she started to realize, I get this, I understand this and I, I'm doing it. And she could attribute that to certain uh, like behaviors, the effort that she'd put in, the approaches that she'd taken in order to understand it. Now she owns it. And that's the foundation of pride. Absolutely. Pride is what moves you forward to even greater challenges and, and you know, leads to happiness and fulfillment. So, fulfillment. Yeah. I mean, but you guys put an infrastructure in place that allows all that to happen. That does not happen by accident. And, and no, that's we just need we need more of you. It's all nice to go make a lot of money and you know get all the trappings, but you know at some point we, our generation, I'm probably a little older than you guys, um, we need to give back and, and do exactly what you're doing. Um, but I think this I think this also addresses you know as you said at the at the top of the show this addresses an industry wide issue. Like there is a business case for Stacks and Jewels. And through our partnership with multiple companies, they view us as an asset. They are, we are a value creator for them. And so while, while I definitely you know, welcome support in that, in that altruistic sense, it also really is addressing a bottom line oh, issue that's the survivability of this industry to address all the energy crises that we're facing. The message is you can do both. You, 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 can, do, you can do good and make lots of money. <laughs> exactly. And in fact, it's really important that we do both because you know, the qualities that Fran brings and that, that we see and that, that our other graduates have is that 
they're um, they're rooted in their communities so they're very loyal our placements <laughs> and, you know 180 placements across the new york city building automation industry um and we haven't yet had had one that's that's moved from their original placement so there's great. like a loyalty it, they value the investment that's being put into them because they've struggled. They know what it is to, to, to not have the opportunity. So when they get it, they are ready to dig in. I mean, they're getting ex more certifications, right? It's the whole package of it. And that well, does and, and, and as we've shared with you, you are now being adopted by Realcom. Uh, and so, and so, we are going to get you exposure to some of the most sophisticated technology companies, some of the biggest owner operators of real estate that need folks like you're graduating. Um, nothing. This is such a cause that I hope our whole community just wraps their arm around you. Um, we're hoping to get some of your students to the conference. This conversation is going to continue in June. Um, may even put a couple of them to work. So, uh, we'll. Um, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning awesome. for, for us. So That's fantastic. Thank you so much, all of you, for the two gentlemen with thank the vision, you. tenacity, and desire, Fran, for being, you know, believing in these guys and now being able to be a shining beacon for your community and your friends. Um, the story is going to end well. So, thank you, thank you all so much for, for helping us thank to share. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks again. All right. With that, let's bring on Howard to go over this week's news, uh, which I think actually the lead story is about stacks and jewels. No, no accident. <laughs> it, it <laughs> Let is. me get out of your way. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jim, I agree with you. This, I think this was one of my favorite episodes ever. Uh, thanks, Jim. And, and, and thank you, Mike, John, and Fran. What a great story. Uh, it, it's just been an honor uh, hosting you. Now, uh, I've got a few stories from our weekly news briefing that goes out every Thursday morning. So if you don't see it in your inbox, just go to realcom.com, click on news, and you can subscribe there. So coincidentally, as we met, met, uh, mentioned, our lead story is from today's desk, and it's entitled New Talent for the Building Automation Systems Industry. And as you heard, Stacks and Jewels, nonprofit workforce development company program based in New York City. And they provide training to overlook populations for jobs and building automation. They create opportunities for more people to have careers that use technology for the common good and have been helping students from any background. They break down social, education, economic barriers to create high paying jobs as building automation systems specialists. So in this article, uh, learn more about their training program and how students come away with an understanding of how IT and HVAC work hand in hand and are given more than enough technical knowledge and professional insight to launch careers in the building automation industry. By the way, you're gonna be hearing a lot more uh, from Mike and John and their students up to and including at the Realcom conference. So uh, thank you folks again. Next, I wanna shout out to this week's tech partner, uh, VIEW, uh, with a very focused article on OT Cyber. Uh, it's entitled, Proactive Steps to Improve Building Security Using Shodan. Now, <clears throat> Excuse me. Any OT device connected to a network is a potential cyber target. And with the proliferation of OT devices, the threat landscape is growing geometrically, which begs the question, how do I identify vulnerable devices on my network? And for those of you who've been around OT network cyber for a while, you've probably heard of Shodan. It's a, it's a search engine you can query to identify and pull configuration data from internet connected devices. And in this article, Corey Clark and Peter Smith from VIEW 
they'll walk the reader through a quick tutorial on how to use Shodan to proactively search and monitor the cyber hygiene of your connected devices. So great article. Thank you, Corey and Peter. Now, uh, next article. Since 2012, the IBCon Smart Building Best Practice Showcase has been an annual conference event where real estate leaders present commercial corporate real estate projects that really demonstrate leading edge technologies and vision for intelligent and adaptive design. And this week we're featuring not just a single project, but an entire portfolio transformation by Quadreal, a global real estate investment development operations company, AUM totaling 67.1 billion. They're based in Vancouver, British Columbia. Now over the past few years, Quadreal's innovative approach to the development process really has resulted in an entirely new and disruptive way of addressing digital transformation throughout their portfolio, dramatically improved the way they design, construct, and manage their assets. Original objective was reducing costs, driving greater efficiencies, while promoting health and wellness, enhanced sustainability. But they've also managed to effectively identify new revenue streams and transform the customer experience. So kudos to Quadril. Learn more about their digital transformation journey in the showcase profile. Finally, potential fallout to PropTech from the collapse of Silicon Valley and Signature Bank. So according to the latest SEC 10K filings, SVB had about 2.6 billion of commercial real estate private bank loans on its books. So what's the impact on PropTech? Now, Liza Benson, partner with Modern Ventures, um, said it would be hard to find a venture capitalist without a portfolio company that was banked by Silicon Valley Bank. And that includes a minority portion of Modern's portfolio. Benson also noted that all venture capital firms are now rethinking having a portfolio with cash at one bank. There's also a real possibility that it may further impact liquidity for PropTech companies, and it may have a significant impact on PropTech tenants who look to SVB as their primary bank, bank for lines of credit, hoping this is going to encourage PropTech companies really to move faster toward profitability and make fewer bets on loss generating activities. Yep. That's the way. Well, we, that, that's going to be a big topic at the conference, and we are going to have a long coming, uh, mature, comprehensive, sober conversation about PropTech. Um, we started the conversation in 2019, making some points that there were way too many companies, it was way too much money, the governance was not good. Uh, then the pandemic hit. We're, we're going to be talking you know, very optimistically about the industry, all of our technology, but these recent bank failures and, and the connection to PropTech and the behavior of some of the PropTech activities over the last 14 years, you know, actually more than 14, going all the way back to 2009. So we're talking, you know, a long time. So uh, great job on those articles, Howard. Always, you, you took them spot on. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that. And we'll see you next week on news. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Have a great weekend. Thanks. All right. Before uh, I talk about next week's show, let's hear from our final sponsor. And I'll be right back. say thank you to our guests. And as I mentioned, this could be top three, maybe even my very favorite uh, Relcom Live 
uh, for the two guys who started this, um, you know, and, and all the students that they've impacted, Fran and the wonderful work that she's doing um, in the program. Um, she'd just be an example for all of us. And uh, as I said, we're gonna help get that word out uh, and we're gonna have them actively involved in the conference coming up in June. So thank you to our guests. Thank you to our sponsors. And as always, thanks to our Realcom team for putting this together, um, do a great job. And then uh, next week, uh, we're gonna continue getting ready for June. Uh, and we're going to uh, have, I think our 10th or 11th annual um, Smart Building Integrator Summit. If there's anybody who needs brands expertise and all those students are the integrators because they're the ones who go into the buildings and make them uh, make all the magic work and, and make all the smart technology come together. Uh, and we bring together, you know, 100, 150 of some of the best integrators in the country to, to meet in their own room and discuss, you know, what do they need to do to keep up? Do they have enough people to help? Where can they find new people? I got some ideas for them there. So next week, we got Scott Cochran, uh, president of Cochran Supply, Craig Stevenson, president of Boros Group, and Donnie Walker, partner of Newcomb Boyd, who are three chair folks, chair people uh, for this event. And we're just going to you know, start to rip it apart and tell you what's going to be going on in that room. Uh, and all the special uh, conversations that they're going to be having. So with that, I want to say thank you to all. Have a great day, great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday on Realcom Live. Be well.